Tuesday Night Touchdown Podcast with your hosts, Reese Downing and Jacob Workman. What's going on, guys? It is TNT Tuesday Night Touchdown Podcast, NFL Edition, Wild Card Weekend 2024. Welcome to the playoffs, guys. Uh, with me, as always, is the fine citizen over there, Mr. Workman. Jake, what's going on, man? What's up, Captain Reese? Uh, <laughs> the season is over. We've made it to the playoffs, and uh, the team I root for for once in, well, actually, they've made it a few times in my life, but uh, it's nice that the Lions are finally in the playoffs, and I have something to actually root for this year. Yeah, for sure. I'm excited for you. Um, like we talked about it quite a bit. I've gone to quite a few Lions games with you over the years, so it's exciting to go. I think when we first talked about this, and I think we're going to play a clip here a little bit later, um, we talked about if this game happened, we were going to buy tickets, and I think we fell a little short of that. But Well, I don't know if you've seen, but the uh, the tickets for this game are also the most expensive wild card playoff game in NFL history. So it's, Seriously? Yeah. It's, Bam. It's crazy how much they're going for. That's nuts. Well, I mean, it stands to reason, but we'll we'll talk about that here in a little bit. So um, we've got a special episode uh, before we kick things off there. Uh, let's talk about last week's results. Um, I ended up going 11 and five in my final week. Jake went nine and seven. Uh, so we both finished above 500. We both hit our lock with Detroit. Uh, final lock records for the year. Uh, Jake went 12 and six and I went 15 and three. Uh, we will not pick locks throughout the playoffs. Um, so that solidifies our locks for the first year. Pretty damn good for year one, especially picking these on Tuesday. Uh, total records for the year. I ended up just over 500 at 137, 130 and five. Uh, Jake just missed it at 131, 136 and five, but still fantastic records for the first year playing against the the spread here on Tuesday. Uh, any, any final thoughts as we wrap up the regular season? I mean, one thing we did say from the beginning was just bet the locks, uh, 27 and nine on the locks is pretty solid. That would have made you some decent money there. Yeah. Yeah. So, uh, speaking of making some decent money, we've got, uh, some guys that listen to our show quite a bit. We've had them on a time or two before, and we are going to, uh, pull them in, uh, for this show to talk about the, uh, the playoffs. Uh, so let's start pulling guys in here. Uh, let's let's bring in the uh, tried and true group here. We've got uh, the Carter returning as always with the uh, playoffs. Playoffs. <laughs> we brought we brought his uh, his stepdad Scott, who's actually my stepdad back, uh, and we also have uh, Big Taxes here, uh, my my buddy and uh, big Cowboys fan. So thank you guys for joining. Um, what do you guys have any uh, thoughts you'd like to share on uh, the regular season as we wrap things up? Anything that you guys saw surprising uh, in week 18? <laughs> Dynamite. Everybody, up in everybody, yeah. everybody yeah. wants. Thanks, guys. All right. Uh, <laughs> let's. Yeah, uh, my Colts really had a shot at winning the AFC South. I never thought that was going to be a possibility. It was a great game, game too. And, yeah. Richardson you know, getting hurt. They Steichen drew up a perfect play. I know a lot of people kind of bashed him for going to the backup running back there, but I mean, he was wide open. Gardner just threw a, a little bit behind. Yeah, him. it wasn't a very good he, throw. He might not have scored, but he would have been probably inside the five because Pittman had a great block in front of him. And uh, little did we know Jacksonville was going to lose the next day, and we could have won the South. But yeah, what a collapse! Next year, yeah. yeah. 
crazy collapse. Well, let's talk about that. That's the the first topic of conversation I've got here is uh, what's been your favorite or most surprising story of the NFL season? Uh, Taxus, I'll throw it to you first. Uh, for me, the most surprising, um, kind of like the, what happened with the Cowboys, like after last season, Dak Prescott with all the interceptions, leading the league in interceptions, missing as many games as he did. The, the narrative was out there that he's not a franchise quarterback. He can't get it done. He comes back, throws the most touchdown passes for the season. Uh, the Cowboys are ranked fifth in total yards per game, third in passing yards per game. Um, they're the top scoring offense at 29.9 points per game. And they're only uh, second behind the Bills in third down offense. Couple that with a new offensive coordinator, a new play caller, and you just don't know what's going to happen. And through the first, you know, handful of weeks of the season up until that, or through the 49ers game in the bye week, it didn't look good. But after that bye week and CeeDee Lamb going in, talking to McCarthy, non-diva, he said, he didn't go in like a diva, but he said, get me more involved. And that's when the offense really took off. McCarthy, yeah, he's got his his little things with time management, clock management. But overall, like, it's surprising to me, even as a Cowboy fan, I knew the talent was there. But it just seemed in years past with Kellen Moore, it just – it was – it got stale by the end of the season. he come out, use everything that's in his bag, you know, the first 12, 13 weeks of the season, by the time playoffs rolls around, there was nothing left. We looked like a, a shell of the offense that way. Um, and that was my favorite. But the most surprising to me, I think, is the amount of starting quarterbacks with season-ending injuries. There are seven starting quarterbacks. Rodgers in the first week of the season. Burrow, Cousins, Anthony Richardson, Herbert, Daniel Jones, and Watson. Well, Watson may be a blessing that he got hurt for the season. But um, that's 22% of the starting quarterbacks that got hurt for this season. Like – I don't think there's many in the past as many high profile quarterbacks that got hurt, but those are my favorite thing as the Cowboys and surprising how many quarterbacks actually got injured this season with for long term. Yeah. And from the Cowboys standpoint, you don't even talk about the fact that Tony Pollard has not had a great year. And besides cooks having a good game every now and then it's been CD lamb and Jake Ferguson. So for the Cowboys to have that level of offense with the level of production they've had outside of uh, those two guys has, has been pretty crazy. Carter, what about you? What's been your favorite and most surprising story of the NFL season? Uh, Texas kind of stole my uh, storyline for the season was the, the year of the quarterback, but mainly the backup quarterbacks coming in. Like you said, seven of them getting knocked out for the year. Uh, you got anywhere from a guy like Flacco who comes off the couch and gets his team into the playoffs. I mean, I know that defense kind of carried him a lot, but that offense was really cooking towards the end. Um, Gardner Minshew kind of leading the Colts to right there to the doorstep of the playoffs. Um, guys like Tommy DeVito stepping up, had a moment there. Yes, Tommy Cutlets. Uh, yeah, who else? Easton <laughs> Stick came in for Herbert. I don't think he did worth a damn, but it was just kind of crazy how many uh, primetime quarterbacks. I mean, it started right from the beginning with Rodgers getting hurt right off the bat. So Yeah, first first, tone, first drive of the season. <laughs> yep. After hard knocks and everything, that looked like a big promising, like got me all hyped up to actually watch some Jet games this year, and it's like back to Zach Wilson. Yep. 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 So sad. Scott, what about you? I think uh, parity is uh, the NFL's uh, love of parity. It's kind of ruled the uh, season. You look at what happened to the Eagles. You know, they've taken a nosedive at the end of the season. They've come back there. KC, you know, what happened to them? And then look at the bottom dwellers who have made that jump. Uh, Houston, Indianapolis, uh, L.A. Rams have come back. Uh, Lions have made a move. You know, some of those teams that have been at the bottom of the league for a while 
you know, or in a playoff or playoff contention the last week, you know, that's been a huge uh, uh, turnaround for a lot of these uh, teams. Uh, that's why, uh, you know, the NFL fans keep uh, having that uh, hope, that dream at the end of the season more than I think any other uh, major sport in the, in the U.S. Yeah, uh, be prepared for the Browns-Lions Super Bowl for your ultimate parody. <laughs> <laughs> it could be there. Yeah. Um, you know, it would be hard to root against either one of those teams. You know, the Lions have had some really hot games, and they've also you know laid an egg on a couple times going out where you thought that, you know, they had to have it. So, uh, you know, it's it's been there this entire season. 100%. Workman, what about you, man? What's your most surprising story? I just made a little list. I've just got a few favorites and a couple surprises. My favorite, obviously, is the Lions winning 12 and winning the NFC North. Uh, another favorite of mine was the Rams winning 10 and making the playoffs. Uh, my surprise is the Chiefs' offensive struggles. Um, that's a big deal. And, I I mean, the Chiefs could be out next week. Like, this weekend could be the end of the Chiefs' season. That's a crazy thought. Uh, Texans winning 10 games and winning the AFC South, I think, is a huge surprise. Um, and just from a statistical standpoint, something that surprised me a lot is Jared Goff finished second in the NFL in passing yards and fourth in the NFL in touchdown passes. That's pretty crazy. Yeah. Goff's not exactly a uh, gunslinger back there. No, no, not at all. Yeah, I've got pretty much a lot of the stuff that you guys have listed here. Uh, the Jags meltdown, uh, Chiefs offensive struggles, obviously. The Eagles is a huge surprise to me. I think it's a surprise to everybody how they finish the season, uh, especially considering you know they're dealing with some injuries, but not to the level that some of these other teams are. And I don't know what's happening in Philadelphia right now, but it's not good. Uh, Buffalo's comeback. Uh, they ended up winning a ton of games on the back half of the year when we had them counted out midway through the season. Uh, CJ Stroud. Uh, showing, you know, he is by far the best quarterback to come out of that draft class so far. I know we're only one year in, but to take your team into the playoffs as a rookie when a lot of people thought that Houston only maybe win in a handful of games. Uh, Flacco's comeback uh, that we talked about. Uh, Miami's fall out of the, AS, the AC, AFC East. You know, just a few weeks ago, we thought they had that in the bag and they quickly fell out of that. Um, another one that was kind of surprising to me was the Broncos handling of Russell Wilson. It seems like every, when that stuff started happening, like every day we came into more news that they were just treating him even worse than what we heard about the day before. Uh, especially considering how he's been playing this season with a new coach, new offensive system and everything. I thought Russell Wilson was serviceable and it looked like he could be, uh, you know, at least a, a couple year serviceable for the, for the Broncos and how the front office has handled that situation has been pretty crazy. Yeah, I wouldn't say that any of that is Russell Wilson's fault either. I mean, he no. he, he played fine. That's a that's a that's a a lot of issues in the organization going on there. Yeah, and I don't like we talked about this um, after the uh, that that Dolphins game. Like, how yeah. do you fix this? Like, because that's that franchise has just tanked since Peyton left. Um, and now they're being run like Walmart, which makes sense because that's who owns it. So I, I I'm surprised. I don't know how that's all going to shake out here over the next course of the next couple of years, but hopefully Russ can find a place to land. Um, I mean, he'd definitely be a serviceable back backup, but I don't think he's going to want to play anywhere where he's going to be a backup. So we'll see what happens for him. Um, let's jump into Black Monday. Uh, we had a couple uh, coaches that ended up losing their jobs. Uh, Arthur Smith with the Atlanta Falcons has been fired. Ron Rivera with the Washington Commanders has been fired. Uh, we already had a couple other guys uh, that were gone with Josh McDaniels uh, and a couple of those other coaches, Brandon Staley. 
we did hear that Pete Carroll is planning on returning in 2024. Dennis Allen with the Saints is also going to be returning in 2024. Uh, Wink Martindale did come out and resign as the Giants defensive coordinator, so they will be looking for a new DC there. As of right now, and we haven't heard, I don't think it's official at this moment, but all things considered, it sounds like Bill Belichick will be moving on from the Patriots. So right now, we've got the Raiders, the Falcons, the Commanders, the Patriots, and the Panthers all potentially looking for new head coaches, and that's just right now. Um, the, uh, the Titans, the Titans. As well. The the in the t- okay so the Titans as well so that's that's another one that I had missed here so the Titans are included in that uh, so we've got quite a few teams that are looking for uh, head coach um, who do we think you know there's a lot of really good DCs and OCs out there uh, Lions Aaron Glenn and Ben Johnson both of those guys Todd Munkin and the Ravens uh, Mike McDonald the Ravens DC. Um, a couple other names I have here, Jim Schwartz, the Browns DC, uh, Dan Quinn's obviously got his name thrown out there and a couple other guys. Uh, the one that seems to be what should be a shoe in to me would be Antonio Daniels staying with the Raiders and Eric the getting the job with the commander since he's already on staff, but we don't know if that's going to happen. Uh, do you guys have any guys that aren't current head coaches that you see stepping into any of these roles? Are there any one position, uh, that you think would be the best out of all these teams. You've got the Raiders, Falcons, Commanders, Patriots, Panthers, Titans, and Chargers all right now that are looking for head coaching. Carter, how about you? Um, I, I think Belichick might be out of New England. If that's the case, Vrabel seems like a shoe-in to go to New England. Um, Washington uh, with the BNME thing seems interesting, but that seems like a complete overhaul. I could see them just – they're going to do a national search. And the name out there that uh, you didn't mention that I think is going to go to the back to the NFL is uh, Harbaugh, championship coach. Yeah, Harbaugh. And I, I, I mean, out of the teams, I would say he might go to the Chargers. They actually have a quarterback there. He's a West Coast. He was out in San Francisco, so maybe he'll go back out there. But those are just my thoughts on those. I think just one name that hasn't been thrown out. My my guess of kind of like a sleeper name is Bobby Slowick. Uh, offensive coordinator for the Texans. Texans. He was, he's in that big tree from the that Jesus Redskin staff that everyone's got a job and everyone's been successful. So I'm pretty sure he'll probably get a job this year also. That could probably be, I don't know, That that's going to be one of those teams that, I don't know, you almost want to say the Panthers. I know the Panthers are making another run at Ben Johnson, but Ben Johnson turned him down last year. So I, unless they're just throwing the world at him, which Tepper has the world, so he can, but... You also have seen Tepper's actions, and I was like, why would you want to go be the coach for Tepper? Yeah, that, that that's like literally a get-rich-quick scheme. Like That should be the yeah. most competitive job as a head coach for anybody in the league. Yes, they're the worst team in the league. Yes, they don't have a first-round pick. They've tied their franchise to a crestable quarterback. The owner's a nut job. But he's going to pay somebody $60, $70, 80000000 million for six years, and if you don't win 12 games in the first five weeks – He's probably going to fire you, and then he's going to owe you $80 million over the course of the next six years. It's the the biggest get-rich-quick scheme in America right now. Uh, um, the, the best career in America is a fired head Yes. Head coach. <laughs> yeah, That's the best, I, best job in the world. Just talk to Jimbo Fisher. Yeah, no kidding. Oh, right. yeah, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> uh, Taxa Scott, either one of you guys have any uh, OCs, DCs, or any other coaches that you think might make a move into – Head coaching spot. I, well, I, I do believe the Titans are doing. They filed Mike um, Mike uh, Raybrick without uh, 
uh, holding on to him, find out what New England's done. You know, would New England, New England have traded some draft picks to bring him over as head coach? You know, why fire him today? You know, that's a head scratcher if they actually thought that uh, Belichick was gone. Um, you know, I would have held on to him until they'd actually decide one way or another. You know, there's no rush to fire him. So uh, that's kind of my head scratcher of the, the coaching season so far. Tennessee's not that attractive of a job either. I mean, every other team in the division has shown improvement except them now. And they actually traded their best player away last year. And Vrabel said he was against that. It wasn't even Vrabel's thing. So, yeah, I, uh, the Titans, is, and they're not really a team that's going to throw a bunch of money out either. I mean, they're building a new stadium, which is going to be nice, but that's going to be four years from now. So I, I, that might be like a, a Staley or an Artie Smith or something like that where they end up maybe as a second-term job. But yeah, that's a... I don't know. I feel like that's going to be the hardest one to fill. I think Tepper's going to have to pay somebody $15, $16 million, uh, for four or five years to uh, get somebody young. You know, your owners toss the drinks at fans. You know, yeah. the only finds them $300,000. What's the $300,000 to a billionaire? Well, I think the the rumor was that Ben Johnson could acquire $17 to $18 million a year, which is insane. But they're going to have to throw something at him to get him out of Detroit. And also, I think you've got to throw a little bit more to go to that hellish spot too yeah it's not like uh you're looking out at san diego over the ocean and uh seeing your uh, sunsets uh you know going back and forth uh that'd be a great destination yeah and and carolina is also i say carolina also was trying to build a new headquarters last year and we saw what happened there that turned into a disaster (laughs) he filed bankruptcy the billionaire files bankruptcy and then that stadium is shit. Like, who wants to play in that? That's probably one of the worst stadiums in the NFL outside of Washington. But Washington at least has plans for a new one. Carolina doesn't. So, I mean, I don't know. That is, that's not an attractive job to me at all, minus Bryce Young and if they can keep Brian Burns. I've actually been to that stadium. The inside the stadium is not bad. It's just everything around it, parking, accessibility is terrible. It's, and right downtown uh, Charlotte. Yeah. And it's, uh, it's a difficult place to get to, get out of. Um, build your uh, team. You know, they were looking to go to South Carolina for their headquarters or practice facilities. Uh, there's just nowhere else to uh, build and improve that area, but the actual stadium itself is uh, actually pretty nice. Texas, what's your thoughts on uh, Dan Quinn? Because he's going to get targeted by a lot of guys, but he seems to have said over and over again that he wants to be in Dallas long term. Do you think he entertains? A coaching job elsewhere, or do you think he sticks in Dallas? So he has been requested to interview with the Panthers, the Commanders, the uh, um, at least the Chargers as well. I think there was another team, but I can't remember. But um, I think that the Chargers might not be a bad idea for him. With Kellen Moore already out there as offensive coordinator, he's very familiar with him in the days with Dallas. Um, there's talent out there. Um, it just needs to be somebody, the right person to lead that talent. Um, honestly, the last two off seasons, he's been, he's interviewed and he hasn't gone anywhere, but I do think depending on how the rest of the season plays out, um, cause one other person from the Cowboys staff that has been requested to get interviewed is Will McClay. And that is Jerry's right-hand man when it comes yeah. to player personnel. So there have been a couple organizations that have, uh, asked to interview him for their GM spots, including the commanders as well. Um, but that's why I say that about Dan Quinn, because the the talk around the Cowboys is Will McClay, he's he's going to feel like it's one of those feelings like he wants to get a championship with the Cowboys with Jerry. And like, say he goes off this year and goes to the commanders for some reason, then the Cowboys win next year. It's one of those like, uh, 
I if I could have just waited one more year type things. And, and I don't know if Dan's feeling that way too. I know he loves Dallas. I know he's he's built that defense for himself. Like that is his defense. His his fingerprints are all on that. So I I could see if if we don't win the Super Bowl, there's a possibility he comes back saying we're that close for one more round. But it depends on how much money people want and if he's ready to take over the reins again. But I think I think the Chargers would be his spot, if any. Yeah, I have a Oh, so I was just I was just say I have a, a question I want to throw in with that too. So I outside of the so we've got Josh McDaniels, Frank Reich, uh Brandon Staley, Artie Smith, Ron Rivera, Mike Vrabel. Those are the guys who are officially out right now. So that's one, two, three, four, five, six. Six. Of those six, how many of those guys do you think are head coaches next year? Say the list one more time. Uh, Josh McDaniels, Frank Reich, Brandon Staley, Artie Smith, uh, Ron Rivera, Mike Vrabel. I think Ron's going to retire. Vrabel's the only one out of that list. Vrabel, yeah, Vrabel's the only one that sticks out to me as somebody that would have a head coaching job after next year. <clears throat> I think I think Vrabel might go be a DC, though. That's a, I mean, there's a possibility he does the Dan Quinn route, goes and becomes a DC for a couple years, and then waits for that opportunity where he wants. But if the Patriots are open, which doesn't open all that often, that's his team. I mean, I, I could see him go there. I know that that's the talk, but I really don't think that's going to happen. I, I know that that's the rumor and everything, but I, I think that they'll they'll have a conversation and they'll figure out a way to change some things to where maybe Bill isn't completely in control all that much or something, some sort of change. But I just, I, I don't think he's going to leave. He's 15 wins away from the record. And obviously the way New England was this year, that's like, Three years at this three rate. years, and, yeah. And when he could probably go to uh, San Diego is probably the easiest to win quick. Maybe Atlanta, yeah. Those are the two, but I don't see Bill in Atlanta at all. Um, I think there was a push for him there. I think I read somewhere there was a push for him for Atlanta. Yeah, I, I just don't think that fits. Like Bill Belichick on the Atlanta Falcon sideline is one of the craziest thoughts you could even yeah. imagine. Like I don't, <laughs> it's hard to see it. And they yeah. don't have a they don't have a quarterback either. Like why would he go to a exact same situation like i don't i don't know i i could see a come full circle like maybe him take a year off and then um dable in new york gets fired next year and then he comes and coaches in new york that's where i thought he'd end up if he wasn't a patriot coach i really thought he'd end up with the giants well and that dc spot just opened Ooh. up too so to your point maybe that's the move where he goes and takes the giants dc role with the expectation that Dable may be out that's not going to He's going to be no. a head coach and nothing else. Yeah, there's no way. Oh, no, no. I'm sorry. I thought I, for some reason, my brain went to Mike Vrabel and not oh, Bill Belichick. Okay, okay. Oh, no, Belichick. I, I was thinking, I was thinking <laughs> yeah, Vrabel. No. Yeah. Okay. Well, I don't think um, Dable would hire him as his uh, replacement. You know, why, why put that pressure on your own staff? True. Yeah. All well, right. Draft well, Kings has Belichick. Favorite team to go to next year is the Chargers. Yeah, say charge. I, I think it's Chargers of New England. Yeah, that's that's what and, I think too. Uh, I, one other thing I wanted to throw out there too. Do you think they're done firing coaches? I could see a world no. where one of these teams get bounced in the first week of the playoffs, and uh, McCarthy could be on the hot seat. And Sirianni, yeah. I'm hearing there's a big mutiny right now. So the the Sirianni is surprising to me, uh, but that was the one of the points I was going to make with the Dan Quinn conversation was another reason for him to stick around is that he is playing for a team that's owned by Jerry Jones and Jerry Jones is 
will fly off the handle and decide that McCarthy's gone if we lose this division round game or Frank or the, the wild card game, or frankly, even if we lose in the division and don't make it to the NFC championship, that could still be a reason for Jerry to say enough is enough because he doesn't want to lose Dan Quinn. So that that's definitely a job that could open up. I definitely don't think we've seen the last coach getting fired this year. I was just looking through the playoff teams just to see if I could get a quick, uh, really, I think Tampa is the only one that we could potentially see. I don't really think any of these other teams are going to be firing any coaches. I know Seriani, you just mentioned, but they also lost both coordinators, and I think their downfall was Patricia. Why the hell? I don't know why they would ever. That buffoon should never be allowed to be on a field. Like he should be never in the NFL. This should be whatever the hell they play. Well, they'll win this week, I think. But next week when they lose, I think that should be his last NFL appearance ever. Patricia is a disaster, and clearly he has ruined their defense. Well, Matt Lafleur is another one. I mean, uh, early, earlier in the year, he was he was listed as one of the guys that they had potential of letting hey, go yeah. towards the end of, like, I think November, right around then. Now he turned it around, but yeah, there's no way they'll, they'll give him at least one more year. I don't. Yeah, Jordan, Jordan yeah, Love, um, his uh, his uh, rise sort of has uh, quieted all the uh, talk uh, in uh, Green Bay. That well, they started hot better. too. They just had a middle slump. Yeah. So there was talk after last season about McVay taking a step back. You think that this little run he's been on ignites him again? <laughs> no, he he's already, already came out. He's coming back. Yeah. Oh, he okay. Yeah, yeah, he shut the rumors down early this year. Yeah, I really think Tampa's the only one that even has a potential of a firing for the playoff teams. I And I, I guess if you want to say it. <laughs> yeah, that division's just so bad, though. But. It is very bad. The uh, I do see the outside for McCarthy, but I I highly doubt that would happen too. I think that would have yeah. to be something drastic. But oh, I highly doubt it too. But it's Jerry. Yeah. Oh, I know. So all right, well let's let's move into some NFL draft conversation. So the first eighteen picks are now set. Um, we have Chicago at the number one position, uh, Washington at two, New England at three, Arizona at four, and the Chargers are rounding out the top five. And then moving from six to 18, we have the Giants, the Titans, the Falcons, the Bears have another picks. So they have two picks in the top 10, uh, the Jets, the Vikings, the Broncos, the Raiders, Saints, Colts is sitting at 15. And then rounding out the top 18, we have Seattle, Jacksonville, and Cincinnati. So assuming there are no trades in the top three, so we've got Chicago, Washington, or, or New England, and New England, excuse me, or let's even say you have the possibility for a trade. Who are you seeing as the first three players taken off the board? Uh, let's start with Texas. Um, so I think that the Bears are going to try to trade out that first spot. I think that Fields is their quarterback for the future. Um, so I see them trading down probably, possibly, like if you got a new head coach in New England that wants their quarterback, they want you know, Caleb Williams, um, that they trade up. So it's just from three to one. So I, um, I say Williams to the Pats and then, uh, May to the commanders. And then that gives, uh, the bears another weapon for Justin Fields with, uh, Marvin Harrison. Jr. That would be, and then they get another draft pick, say third round or whatever it might be, um, at that point for that, that jump from three to one. Scott, what are your thoughts? Who do you have going to top three? Well, I, I don't know who uh, is a uh, Bears fan, but they're living large right now. They they traded out that last year and got a, a bunch of uh, uh, picks. Uh, <clears throat> and I, I don't think they'll be at number one again this year. You know, they've got their quarterback of the future in fields, um, but they need to get him upright and some weapons. 
Um, and I think the first quarterback going to be uh, the, off the board, you know, one, two, and three, probably uh, four out of the first five. I would say uh, Caleb Williams, Drake May, and I think Michael Penix, if he didn't uh, toss himself a couple of drafts of hots uh, after uh, last night's uh, performance, I think uh, four out of the first five uh, picks are going to be quarterbacks this year. Carter, what about you? <clears throat> yeah, I'm pretty much in line with these guys. I, I do think the Bears are going to trade back. I'm not completely sold on fields, but um, just with that haul, and if they could bring another weapon in like Marvin Harrison Jr., pair him up with DJ Moore. They got Cole Komet, former Irishman. Um, and get. I mean, the offensive tackle spot is loaded in this draft, so they can get a tackle. The defense was pretty solid there. So, um, And then I got Williams May. I wouldn't be surprised if those got flip-flop either. Um, I think it's so early, early on, once we see the combine stuff. Um, and then, yeah, that's my top three. Jake? I'm going to go a little different here. Um, I think the Bears take Caleb Williams. I think they can take Caleb Williams. They can trade fields, get a decent amount of return for him. And with their second pick, they can take Roma Dunze and be just as good as what they would have been with a better quarterback in Caleb Williams. Plus, they're still going to get what they're going to get for fields. So I actually like the Bears to trade fields. I I know that's going to be the topic of discussion for the next three months and all, all the NFL shows. But I I think they've given him his chance. And I'm not a Fields hater. I mean, he hell, every time he plays the Lions, he rushes for 120 yards and plays very well against us. But I just – I think the Bears need a reset. And for the reset, I think they bring in Caleb. I Obviously, there's, there's a heavy receiver draft, and they've got another top pick. Adunze is who I would take. Pair Adunze with uh, Moore. And, I mean, that's already ridiculous. But um, second, I actually went with Penix to the Commanders. But I could see it being Drake May also, or even Jaden Daniels. I think they're all going to be somewhere in that group. So Penix is who I put, but it could be Penix, it could be Daniels, it could be May, and then Patriots, again, whoever's left there, probably Jaden Daniels. Um, I don't really think May would be the one to fall. That would be kind of surprising, but, I mean, crazier things have happened, so... But those are those are what I would say, and I did look up for next year's draft. Uh, right now, Caleb Williams is a minus six fifty to be the first pick of the draft, and it's plus four seventy for the field. So Carter, you were talking about maybe a potential yeah, flip there, plus four seventy. There's pretty, plus this early on. I mean, that's decent profit. Yeah, looking at looking at this, I I'm kind of with Taxus on the possibility of maybe the Patriots moving up, but. I I am a proponent of Chicago keeping Justin Fields. There's always risk drafting a quarterback, and you know what you get with Justin Fields, and I think that a lot of his uh, shortcomings have been because of the talent that surrounds him and not so much him himself. So I've got um, Chicago taking Marvin Harrison Jr. with their first pick, whether that lands in pick one or three. I have the commanders taking Caleb Williams as the, the, the potential first quarterback off the draft if they don't swap with Patriots, and then I have the Patriots taking Jake May. So it sounds like we're all aligned pretty much in uh, in what's going on there. How many, how many quarterbacks do we think are going in the top ten? Because you've got I mean, there's a slew of quarterbacks Same. coming out of this draft. I have four. Same. Four? Yeah, I'm at four. Yeah. I started out at four, but I actually I think it's now going to be five. Just the uh, drive Who's with the quarterbacks. You know, how many head coaches are Who? no longer head coaches just because their quarterback hasn't produced? Who's uh, the fifth one? 
uh, you know, Indianapolis took Anthony Richardson last year and, uh, you know, on the promise of 13 games was going to be the, the new Peyton Manning. Uh, so I, I think that uh, the premium price for quarterback keeps going up. So you've got Caleb Williams, Drake May, Michael Penix, Jaden Daniels. Who's your fifth quarterback off the board? Uh, whoever they fall in love with. You know, Anthony Richardson, I, I don't think talent-wise last year, should have been in that top uh, group. But uh, people fell in love with him. You know, how many years, uh, year after year in the draft, though, you know, they fall in love with a quarterback. And then they'll move up, you know. It, sometimes it works, sometimes it doesn't. But uh, I think there'll be a, a fifth one in that top ten, which will leave the door open for a lot of other teams to jump in there and scoop up uh, higher-rated talent, but it, they're not in the, the right position. I mean, just as just thinking in my head quickly, I mean, is that is that Bo Nix? Like, JJ I mean, or Bo Nix? Bo Nix yeah. you know, I don't know where they pay for Bo Nix's leadership qualities, experience. You know, all those things that uh, Richardson uh, didn't have last year, you know, his accuracy. It was 70, what, 74, 75% completion uh, percentage this year. You know, great team leader. Uh, you hear all those things about Bo Nick. So, you know, he definitely could be, you know, who falls in love with a uh, uh, quarterback out of uh, FSU. You know, once he gets healed up, you know, who falls in love with him? Yeah, uh, I don't think he'll go that early, but you, you, yeah, you I see it. So, but, you know, look at uh, what uh, happened last year. Uh, yeah. Production. You know, they're, they're drafting potential and not uh, pr- production. Yeah. And you've got, I mean, yeah, I just don't see, I don't see that fifth quarterback coming off the board. Bo Nix would be the one that I guess would be the, the fifth one there. I don't think Shador Sanders is going to go that high. JJ McCarthy, I know. Uh, Shador's not even in the draft. He, he, is he coming back? Mm hmm. No, he's going to be at Colorado. Okay, I thought I thought he declared for the draft. Um, so there, that takes that off the board. Um, I know Harbaugh called JJ McCarthy the best college football in history after throwing ten passes last night, yeah, but after forty yards. Yeah, but Florida State can't get in. Uh, yeah, let's not get Workman going down that road. Cam <laughs> uh, Ward his name in there. I don't think he's talking. Uh, yeah, him. yeah, but I don't think Cam stops in, but. No. He's potential. I don't think JJ is he's, either, but. No, I think I no. think honestly, I think Nick's Ward and J well, JJ, I think is even further, but I think Nick's and I'd say Ward is potential second round. JJ and I'd put them probably third or fourth round to be honest. But Cam Ward, I could see potentially second round. I don't even see him in the first round, though. And then Spencer Rattler, probably second round mm, or third I, round. I, I wouldn't draft him ever. I wouldn't either. Yeah. The Isn't he going back? South Carolina wouldn't touch him either. Isn't he going? He's going back for his thirteenth year at the University of South Carolina, isn't he? He'll probably transfer again. The uh, quarterback from Maryland's trying to get a seventh year. Yeah, to his brother. Yeah. All right. Well, let's uh, let's jump right into it here. Um, let's let's cover these games, guys. Um, we are going to kick Wild Card Weekend off with an AFC matchup as the Cleveland Browns face off against the Houston Texans, 4:30 p.m. Saturday at NRG Stadium in Houston. This is the second matchup with these two teams in the past month as the Browns beat the Texans 36-22 in Week 16. The difference this time around is that rookie standout C.J. Stroud will be playing. It is worth noting that the Texans were all in last week against the Colts, whereas the Browns did rest some key starters in a meaningless game last week against the Bengals. So the Browns are coming into this game better rested. Uh, Cleveland is favored by two and a half. Uh, Texas, we'll start with you. Who's your pick? 
I'm going to go with Cleveland. Um, I, I do like Houston. I do like Stroud. But I just think that that defense with Schwartz and everything, I think that they're going to hold. I mean, uh, first time uh, playoff quarterbacks don't tend to do too well. And Flacco's been there before. He's won it all. I just think that that experience of quarterback is going to play a huge difference in this game. Scott? Uh, I'm – I love uh, love me some C.J. Stroud, but I think uh, Cleveland's going to come out there with the, the win. Um, and I don't think it's going to be as close as two and a half. <clears throat> just a better team, hotter team. And, uh, you know, the Flacco miracle just keeps on rolling this week. Scott, I don't think Colts fans are supposed to love C.J. Stroud. I said he's going to be, he's gonna be your and, nightmare uh, for the next 15 years. <laughs> <laughs> I'd, uh, I'd say last year CJ was the number one uh, quarterback. He was the only one I thought was going to be in the uh, still in the league in five years, um, and uh, he's uh, he looked good at least his, his rookie year. Carter, who you got? Yeah, that's three in a row. Uh, Cleveland's defense is going to be the difference here. Uh, Houston's going to have to uh, have a different game plan offensively than they did against Indianapolis last week. I think they got really conservative after that first seventy-five yard pass, and then they just started hanging it off. I think they're going to have to throw it more and Stroud's definitely talented enough to do it, but they're a little limited with the injuries. If they had tank Dell, maybe it'd be a little different, but I got to say it on this podcast one more time. I'm wacko for Flacco. <laughs> I'm glad we got that in. Damn it. <laughs> Jake, save us here. Yeah. So I went back and forth with this because I, I, I went back to Stroud. I mean, he played Georgia, in the playoffs in their toughest game ever. Like what he did against Georgia last year in the college football playoffs was absolutely amazing. And that's pretty much what put him in the top of the draft. But and I love them at home too. I think it's going to be insane in that building. <sighs> I'm, I'm struggling with this one. I'm, I think I'm going to take Cleveland. Yeah, I'll go Cleveland minus two and a half, but I think this is a great game. <laughs> Yeah, I'm with you guys. I'm taking Cleveland as well. Flacco's brought some new life to this offense. I, I do think that Stroud's going to make a difference in this game. It's not going to be 14 like it was in Week 16, but Cleveland's defense is just so tough. Uh, they've, they're Like I said, they're coming off some better rest, so I am going to go with Cleveland as well. So that is a clean sweep for the Browns. Hmm. Who would have thought the, that would have happened? Yeah, right? <laughs> First time anyone's ever said that. Right. Uh, the second and last of our Saturday games is another AFC matchup as the Miami Dolphins visit the Kansas City Chiefs, 8.15 p.m. at Arrowhead Stadium in Kansas City. This is the second matchup for these teams this year as well as they played in Germany back in week nine, and both teams struggled offensively with the Chiefs coming out on top 21-14. to 14. Both of these teams have had up and down seasons with Kansas City's offense struggling to get going and Miami dealing with a slew of injuries. This is also another situation where one team is coming off a self-imposed bye while the other was all in as Miami had all starters in in Buffalo against Buffalo, but KC rested their starters last week against LA. Miami specifically is dealing with quite a few injuries as they've lost a number of starters on defense, including Bradley Chubb, while guys like Xavier Howard, Raheem Mostert, Tyreek Hill, and Jalen Waddell are also not 100% or guaranteed to be available. Despite all of that, the Chiefs come into this game favored by four uh carter we'll start with you man i can't believe how well you guys did picking all these games on tuesday every week with the injury news out there we're kind of waiting around on um i think kansas city in the playoffs at home is tough the weather this weekend is going to be single digits and there's just no way i'm going against Mahomes in the playoffs i know the offense is what it has been 
but maybe they'll get on track um, and the defense will carry the day. Texas? Yeah, this one I've been back and forth on. Those injuries are tough for Miami. Um, but Kansas City's offense just has not looked the same all season. I think going into the draft, they really have to get Mahomes some playmakers outside of Kelsey. I mean, Rashi Rice looks good, but they missed on Sky Moore last year. Uh, Valdez Scanling and uh, Kadarius Tony are not not to be there next year, in my opinion. But um, I'm going to go with Kansas City. I had Miami marked down, but I'm going to go with Kansas City. Scott? Uh, I do have been back and forth on this one, but I think Miami's going to uh, pull it out. Just can't say uh, receiving core has just uh, – they'd have to go up to be disappointing. Uh, how many drops and big times, uh, big uh, big games drops have they uh, they had this year? Um, I just think Miami, even though they're injury depleted, that they from a talent and explosive level, they're still better. And uh, I think this is going to be a, kind of a dud of a game you know, back and forth, they're just going to be able to squeak one out. One big play uh, will be the, the difference in the, this game. Jake? Yeah, one of my favorite things about this game on the college when we always joke about some of the networks, this is a Peacock exclusive, so get ready for your streaming oh, on Peacock for this one. So um, many people are pissed off about that. Yeah. yeah, all the Swifties now have to subscribe to Peacock. Right. Um. So my thoughts on this are the Dolphins injuries are just too much. Like I, I, I think that a healthy Dolphins team, they would win this game. I, I think they have way too many issues going into this game. They're signing guys off free or off the waivers today just to help their defense. Uh, they actually signed Bruce Irvin, who we just cut because we brought up Billy McNeil back. But um, I mean, when you're signing guys that are that old to try to just get anything on the field for this weekend against the Chiefs, which the weapons aren't there, but the scheme is still there. I think this is a huge Kelsey game. Kelsey dominates this game. Pacheco will do what he needs to do, but I think Kelsey has a huge game, and the Chiefs will win and cover. But I, I don't know if the Chiefs are making it past this weekend. Yeah, I uh, this the line on this has moved a little bit. Um, I, I went back and forth on this like all, all of you guys did. I'm going to take the Dolphins plus the four here, thinking that Kansas City is probably going to win this by three. I think this is going to be a little closer than some people expected. The injuries definitely play a major factor into this, but I think McDaniel's going to have the team prepared enough to be able to make it at least somewhat competitive. So I do think Kansas City's going to win, but I'm going to take Miami plus the points here. You have an over-under on the number of Taylor Swift sightings, mentions, video, montage? Ten. <laughs> the over-under is ten? I want the over, and I hope it's the over. over. I know the Golden Globes, they made a joke about it, and she wasn't real happy. Um. Yeah. All right. Uh, let's move on here. So our first Sunday game kicks off with the Pittsburgh Steelers against the Buffalo Bills, 1 p.m. at Highmark Stadium in Orchard Park. Buffalo comes into this game as quite a comeback story as they started the season three and one before going three and five with their next eight games to land at six and six and what looked to be a long shot at making the playoffs. OC Ken Dorsey was fired midseason, and that appeared to unlock the cheat code as Buffalo went on a run and won six of their last seven games, including a win over Miami in week 18 that handed them their fourth straight AFC East division title. Pittsburgh, meanwhile, has had their own up-and-down season and struggles with an offensive coordinator as the most popular chant at Akershire through November was Fire Canada, and that happened in late November but didn't have an immediate impact they'd hoped for as they went on to lose three straight and were on the outside looking in mid-December after a 13-30 loss to the Colts. 
That all changed, though, as Pittsburgh did go on to win the last three games of the season, finishing 10-7 and and securing a wildcard spot in an uber-competitive AFC North division. This is going to be a tough game for Pittsburgh, who's up against a red-hot Buffalo team and will be starting back up Mason Rudolph again and will also be without their lead defender in TJ Watt, who suffered a grade 2 MCL sprain and has been officially ruled out of the game earlier today. Buffalo is dealing with some injuries as well, but not nearly as impactful as Pittsburgh. The Bills come into this game favored by 10. Uh, Scott, we'll start with you. Actually, I went to high school with uh, Pittsburgh's uh, new offensive coordinator. He's a great guy. But that's not going to help them against Buffalo. You know, Buffalo's gotten hot at the right time, and they're they're just going to roll. I, I don't think it's going to be close, uh, but uh, it's a Buffalo all the way. Texas? Yeah, I almost got there. I, I mean, you could have a 14-point line. I'd still take Buffalo. Uh, yeah, they're, they're the hottest team going other than the Rams, and but they're better than the Rams. So, on the other side of the bracket. Carter? I wrote down no TJ Watt and no quarterback worth a damn. I don't see a path for Pittsburgh to win. But, man, the more I think about that, there's a lot of points. Ten points in a playoff game. Tomlin's going to have this team ready to go. I don't know if I got the balls to pull it, though. Uh, I'm going to stick with Buffalo, but that's a lot of points. Jake? Yeah, I think TJ Watt being out is huge. Um, Mason Rudolph sucks, too. Um, and just to your point about Ken Dorsey, I've been saying since the year 2000 he sucks, so I'm glad that something <laughs> finally happened now to him. I hate that guy more than most people on earth, so well-deserved that he's gone. Uh, but for the game, I uh, I agree. I think it's Buffalo in a runaway. Um, I hope it's a runaway. I'm going to be mentally preparing for a game later that night at that point, so I, I don't really <laughs> care to watch this game, to be honest. Um, but I, I think Buffalo does run away with this. Yep, I'm with you guys. I am also taking Buffalo. Before we move on to the next one, I got a question for you guys. Uh, a friend of mine's a Steeler fan, and he's calling for Tomlin to get fired, as we were talking about earlier with coaches, because mainly because of the back-to-back losses to two-win teams. Um, but then I also reminded him that he made the playoffs and went ten and seven with yeah, Rudolph right. and that offense. So yeah. you know, what, how do you guys feel about that? I, I don't think fire he, him. It's, it's kind of like the Jeff Fisher theory. Like, all he does is win. He's over 500 every year. He makes the playoffs every year. I mean, Tomlin has at least won a Super Bowl, I guess, though. But I I don't think you can fire him. But I could see – I mean, obviously, there's going to be coordinator changes, I think. But I don't think you can fire Tomlin at this point. I think his personnel department has let him down year after year after year. He's not a bad coach. Is he, you know, number five in the NFL? I don't think so. But I think his personnel department has just repeatedly let him down uh, you know, look at his offensive difference makers, you know, their decision at quarterback uh, of the future. Yeah. He's not the personnel guy. So uh, who in that front office is uh, letting him down year after year? You in a spot for Russell Wilson next year. There you go. It could be. Yeah, I don't see any way. Do you want Russell Wilson? Build up too much cred. There is, there is surprisingly a lot of talk of it, though. Like there are a lot of people that have mentioned the Tomlin fired thing. He's been there, what, 17 years? I, yeah. I just think that he's been there so long that uh, that it's an easy uh, view to take. But he's had so much sustain, sustained success. That, yeah. you know, who, who, who are you going to bring in that's going to give you what he's given you? The only, the only coach I could even think, just of the people that we've named, like I'm thinking of coaches that fit Pittsburgh. Vrabel fits Pittsburgh. But I think yeah. Tomlin's a better coach than Vrabel. So I wouldn't yeah. – I don't think I would even – consider that 
Yeah, exactly my thoughts. The variable popped in my head, but I'm like, between variable and Mike Tomlin, I'd rather have Tomlin. Yeah, what's up, Tomlin? All right. Uh, next up, we have the Green Bay Packers against the Dallas Cowboys. 4.30 p.m. Sunday at AT&T Stadium in Arlington. The Cowboys come into the playoffs elated to be sitting in the two seed after winning their last two while the Eagles continued sliding, earning Dallas not only the two seed in the NFC East crown, but also at least two home games where they are the only team that remained undefeated at home all year. The Packers on the other side of the equation played their way into the playoffs after winning six of their last eight games after starting the season two and five, including winning their last three, securing a wild card spot after the Detroit Lions took control of the NFC North for the first time in three decades. There are plenty of storylines between these two franchises as Jordan Love looks to get his first career playoff win and the Cowboys look to shake off 30 years of postseason struggles and make a deep playoff run. Dallas is favored by seven and a half. Taxes, I'll throw it to you, man. I got to go with the Cowboys. They're at home, 16 in a row, putting up 30-plus points a game. I don't see a reason why. The, the Green Bay defense struggling. They can put up some points. But like I said with C.J. Stroud, first-time quarterbacks in the playoffs just don't have that much success. So I, I think Dallas, the, they got the running game back on track a little bit against Washington. Granted, it was against a lot of second stringers, third stringers, fourth stringers. I don't know. They weren't playing a whole lot of people. But, um, no, I got I got the Cowboys. Well, they traded all their first stringers away. That's why. But yeah. Scott, who do you have? <clears throat> uh, I, I think Dallas is going to uh, win this uh, by the fourth quarter. It's going to go from a 10 point lead to, uh, you know, add another touchdown on that. Uh, I think Green Bay can keep it close to begin with. But uh, first year quarterback in the, in the playoffs, Dallas is going to be rocking. Uh, he, uh, Dallas has been just smoking hot at, at home. Um, and I just think Dallas is going to pull away at the end. <laughs> I saw that reaction work, man. Carter, what's yeah, your pick? You know, my thoughts <laughs> of that bullshit. Yeah. <laughs> uh, I'm with Carter, you guys. There's yeah. Dallas has got this. I think, uh, they'll win by pretty comfortably two scores undefeated at home this year. Uh, green Bay is coming in with the youngest offense in the league. I think down the road, they're going to be pretty good, but. Like uh, Taxa said, first-time playoff start. Uh, Parsons is going to be in his face all day long. I'd like to see Dallas get that running game going a little bit more, though, because Green Bay does have a pretty decent pass defense. But, yeah, give me Dallas. Jake? Uh, yeah, I don't think I'm truly allowed to say who I'm rooting for in this game without the FBI coming after me. So I'll, uh, I guess I'll say uh, <laughs> Dallas to cover. Um, I, uh, I, I think Green Bay's defense sucks. I've I've kind of said it for a lot of the year. Um, it's been exposed a lot. I, I think Green Bay does at least have some weapons where they might score, but to me, this is like a this is like a 35-14 game. Like I think Dallas kills them. Yeah, I'm I'm with everybody I'm going with the boys here. Uh Packers past events should be pretty exploited by Dak and C D and those guys. Uh hopefully the defense can force love to make some mistakes. So I will take Dallas minus the points. It's going to be a All right. <laughs> Yeah. Um, okay. So before we cover this, uh, this game here, I want to play a little audio clip from earlier in the season. I tell with this team, I think their schedule's just favorable enough that they can sneak in and get this six seed. And just to throw in a little uh, note here with my rankings, that would put Matthew Stafford taking the Rams to Ford Field in the first round of the NFL playoffs. Could you imagine that situation? That would be insane. Oh man, I uh, yeah, 
So, uh, Mr. Workman, applause to you for calling that to a T. Uh, I don't remember what episode that came off of, but it was earlier. I think it was a preseason, wasn't it? That was a yeah, preseason. It was, it was episode three. It was our uh, division winners, and it's in NFL awards or whatever we picked. Which gotcha. to that, to, <clears throat> just to speak to that real quick, both of us did pick Lamar Jackson to be the offensive player of the year. Also in that plus plus twenty two hundred. Oh, damn, I should have put some money down. How much money did you uh, not win on that? <laughs> yeah, yeah, I don't want to talk about it. If I'd have been throwing money on all these locks we've been picking this year, uh, left a lot of money on the table. Uh, all right. So as you guys know, our Sunday games conclude with a huge matchup as the Los Angeles Rams go up against the Detroit Lions, 8.15 p.m. at Ford Field in Detroit. What feels too good to not be scripted, Matthew Stafford returns to Detroit to face his former team in their first playoff game since 2016 after winning the NFC North for the first time in 30 years, while Jared Goff gets a chance to exact his own revenge against his former team that shipped him to Detroit in the Stafford trade. The Rams caught fire late in the season after getting over some injuries, winning seven of their last eight games, including their last four, to secure a wild card spot. The Lions, meanwhile, have consistently been one of the NFL's best teams this year and won 12 games for the first time since 1991 when they were in the Central Division and advanced to the NFC Championship. This should be an interesting matchup as both teams excel at the run game on both sides of the ball, so this could end up being a shootout between Stafford and Goff. One big player to note that you may not see suited up is breakout rookie tight end Sam Laporta, who injured his knee in Week 18 and seems unlikely to play, although Coach Dan Campbell did say today there is an outside shot Laporta makes it back. Detroit is favored by three. Uh, Scott, we'll go to you first. I think it's going to be the high scoring. Uh, take the over, whatever the over is. I, I haven't looked, but I think uh, it's going to be the over. Uh, the Rams got hot at the right time, but I think uh, Detroit's going to uh, win at the uh, at the the end. They've just uh, even without Laporta, you know, they've gotten a, a wide range of uh, offensive opportunities, and the uh, the Rams, even though they're led by that uh, Notre Dame running back. Uh, uh, which we all love to see. Uh, I think uh, Detroit's going to hold out at the end. I don't know if we all love to see it, but uh, Carter. Kyron the Siren. He's about to go off in Ford Field. <laughs> no, this is definitely my favorite game of the week. Uh, it's been tough going back and forth. I love Dan Campbell after watching Hard Knocks last year. I've, it's hard to say fell in love with that team, but of the NFC teams, that's the team I've been rooting for. But I think at the end of the day, if Laporta doesn't play, that's a major, major offensive weapon they're going to miss, and it's going to be over. And I'm going to I'm going to go with Rams. Stafford's going to get a win in Ford Field, playoff win in Ford Field. Texas. So for the for our dream Cowboys playoff scenario, I say the Rams win here, then they go to San Francisco, win there, and they come to Dallas, and Dallas wins to go to the Super Bowl. So I'm going to go with the Rams. That's what I want. <laughs> I was speaking into existence. And the Rams winning in San Francisco in the playoffs would be huge. That's a place they've struggled. I know they won there last week, but it was kind of fugaze, but that was a for sure. All right, Jake. I think I know the answer, but who you got? So the over under is 51 and a half, just so you know, which I seems like they will sail way over that because it seems like this is a 30 something to 30 something game. But uh, I, I mean, this game's impossible. I, I think Stafford's going to throw for 400 yards. Like I, I think they're going to absolutely light up our defense. But I think we're also probably going to have a huge day on offense too. Um, I think the crowd's going to be too much. I think this is one of those things that it's just been built up so much. And all season long, it's kind of been telling. It's kind of – it's been there about – I think I called it like week six. I was like, it's over. Like the Lions are going to win the division. 
I think taxes were even on the episode with us when I said it. I was like, it's it's over. Um, it, it I don't know. I think it's going to be absolutely insane in that building. And I, I don't think Laporta is enough to change the outcome. I, I think the Lions will win and cover this one. But this is going to be one of the worst football games I've ever watched. Just because my favorite player against my favorite team, it's going to be terrible. Yeah, yeah, I, uh, I, I feel for you there. Yeah, this is a this is a tough one. Goff missing Laporta or having a hobbled Laporta is going to be an issue. I, I think it's just a matter of whether or not Detroit <clears throat> can get this offense going on the ground against this Rams defense. My gut's telling me this is going to be close. I can see it being like a thirty-eight, thirty-five game. The, the spread on this was three and a half, which had me leaning more towards the Rams, but I'm going to take Detroit here uh, in minus the points, thinking that it potentially could end up being a push, but I am going to take the Lions to take care of business at home and get their first playoff win in a while. All right. The last of our wild card weekend games features the Philadelphia Eagles against the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, 8 p.m. Monday at Ray J Stadium in Tampa. Tampa Bay comes into this game with the NFC South crown, securing the division last week on the road against the Panthers and finishing the season winning five of their last six games. The storyline for the Bucs this year has been the play of Baker Mayfield, who's resurrected his career, finishing the season as only the second QB in franchise history to record a season with over 4,000 passing yards, 25 touchdown passes, and 10 or less interceptions. Philly, on the other hand, has been sliding in the wrong direction. After starting the season 10-1 and and looking like the clear front runner in the NFC to head to the Super Bowl, they finished the season one and five and quickly slid from the clear number one to a wild card team that's reeling as it enters the playoffs. The Eagles enter the game with a banged up squad as Jalen Hurts, AJ Brown, and the offensive line are all dealing with injuries. It's also worth noting that Philly's defense has struggled and the changes they have made on the defensive side of the ball have not worked out as their defense has been giving up an average of 31 points per game over the last seven weeks. Despite all of that, Philly does come into this game as a two and a half or a three point favorite, excuse me, three point favorite. Uh, Scott, we'll go to you first. I think uh, Philly's slide at the end of the season is one of the great mysteries of the NFL. You know, what has changed uh, at the end of their season for them just to go into the dumpster? And Tampa Bay, I can't believe that anybody uh, uh, picked them to be in the playoffs. And the reason this is on Monday is nobody wants to watch it. So I'm going to go Tampa Bay at home. Um, I think uh, Mike Evans, Godwin, uh, we'll be able to uh, uh, torch the Philadelphia secondary, which is falling apart. You talk about here and locker room issues and the team hates each other and doesn't want to be there. Um, I think uh, they get their wish and uh, they Tampa Bay punches their ch- ticket on Monday night. Taxes. Yeah, I'm a Scott. Um, I think that those injuries to Philly, I mean, it's all Jalen hurts finger and uh, AJ Brown's leg. Like just, I just don't think that they're going to have enough. Their defense has been susceptible this back half of the year. They got lucky to get to 10 and one. They won a lot of close games, but that type of play has bit them in the ass this second half of the season. They can't win those close games. And now, you know, I don't think they're going to win this one. This is the game I'm least, you know, the one I'm not going to probably watch out of all of them. (laughs) I don't care. (laughs) Carter. Yeah, I'm with you guys. Uh, it's crazy. Uh, I think about a month and a half ago, we would have said Philly would have been favored 10, 14 points in this game. Um, I don't know if they can just flip a switch all of a sudden in the playoffs on the road and figure out that defense. A.J. Brown injury is concerning. Jalen Hurts is banged up. Um, I think Mike Evans is going to continue his career year, and uh, I got Tampa Bay winning. 
Jake? Wow. I'm really surprised by all of this. Um, I'm taking Philly to win and cover. I just still think they're a way Tampa's not good. Like, I just think they're a way better team than Tampa still, even with the injuries. I think the injuries are going to kill them next week, but I think they still have enough to get through this week. But with them winning, if if it holds up that Dallas and the Lions win, Philly's going to play the Niners next week. And I, they have no chance in that one. No. Um, I am going to stick with the, the majority here and take the Bucks plus the points. I just think that these these injuries are just going to be too much to overcome. I don't know how Hurts is going to throw the ball with the way his finger looks. Uh, A.J. Brown's not looking good either. And take those two weapons away on offense – I just I don't know if they're going to be able to keep up with Tampa because Tampa should be able to to roast the the secondary. The Eagles defense just has not been playing well at all. Um, Matt Baker, Patricia, yeah, Matt Patricia, yeah, um, Matt Patricia, yeah. It's yeah, been worse since though. It's, it's been slightly worse. I looked at the the uh, the average points given up, and it went up like two points roughly once they swept swapped from uh, Desai. I think it's his last name, right? The yeah, D, the guy, the old DC, decide to uh, to Patricia. So I, I'll be interested to see. I know it's kind of crazy to even think about the possibility of Sirianni being gone, but if they lose this game, I mean, does anybody see him being out? I don't, don't think have so. a culture there. I mean, there's nothing to hang his hat on. What does he do? He doesn't call plays. I mean, does he call offensive plays? I think, I think so he Steichen I, did last year. I think he yeah, does now, though. I think because yeah, of Steichen leaving. Yeah. yeah. But, I mean, I don't know. I don't see any culture there. Yeah, his uh, coaching staff has been rated by everybody looking for their, their next head coach. He lost his offensive coordinator, defensive coordinator. You know, they're both head coaches. Um, that's hard to, to bounce back from, uh, especially when you're playing in the Super Bowl. Your season extends. You know, they've had some major injuries. And, uh, you know, you keep hearing about uh, the culture of their locker room is just garbage. I think the, their, their team's ready to check out. Uh, but I don't know. That's all on uh, uh, Sirianni. I think uh, Big Dom is allowed back on the sidelines this weekend, though. So you got to watch out for him fighting people. That's. <laughs> yeah, they, that was something else I saw. They were 10 and 1 with Dom on the sidelines. Yeah, and then they just went to shit. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> that's big news. Yeah. I know. You want to change your pick, Carter? The big yeah, dom effect. The, the big dom effect. Is that going to swing you back to Philly? Maybe if he gets on the O line, then I'll. Yeah, he's big enough. Big enough. All right, guys, that is it for Wild Card Weekend. We are not going to do locks. We're going to keep that for the the regular season here. So that wraps up our Wild Card Weekends. Uh, Texas Scott Carter, thank you guys for joining as always. Uh, we are going to uh, be recording our NCAA show. This is this going to be our last one after for a while, anyway. I think, yeah, we've got where we're going to be covering the the game that happened last night. We'll do one more random conference guessing game for workmen to get him sweating a little bit, and then that will be the last college show for a while. Uh, we'll continue covering the NFL all the way through the Super Bowl. Um, we'll probably take a small break and then jump back in during the NFL draft. Uh, and then we'll, we'll update you guys from there on when the next shows are going to be, but last NCAA show will be coming out tonight along with this podcast, uh, for Jacob Workman. Uh, I am Reese Downing. Thank you guys for listening Tuesday night, touchdown podcast, NFL edition, wildcard weekend, 2024. Thanks guys. See you, everyone. See you. Thanks. Thanks.